today's episode, we get into quite a lot of subject matter. It ranges from the frivolous to the very dark and serious. We cover Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and the crossroads that they're at. Lauren takes us through that. Yeah, we get into when their staff sent word that they'd like a ride back to the United States on Air Force One after the Queen's funeral. So we talk about that White House snub, give our honest thoughts, and I give a prediction on the outcome of their marriage. Chandler? I get into the Gilgo Beach murders. I do a deep dive on this whole case and the suspect that was recently taken into custody. Chan, you do a fabulous job. So everyone, it's a pretty packed episode. Yeah. Be prepared to be disturbed, not just with the Google Beach murders, but also with how Oscar de la Renta gets wrapped into the Markle drama. The nerve of Meghan Markle is disturbing to me. So yeah, just buckle in and hope you enjoy the show. Chandler. Today is a very important dispatch from the pop apologist. Yes. What are we getting into today, Chandler? Why don't you tell our listeners? Today we are doing a entire deep dive on the Gilgo Beach murders and the recent breaks in the case is all I'll say. I'm really excited to get into this. I know virtually nothing about it. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be the voice of the audience. This is a Chandler-led episode, everyone. So I'm very excited for that. But before we dive in, I need to talk to you about some breaking Meghan Markle news. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yes, I'm so ready. I also don't know anything about this. Okay. Did I just did I say Meghan Markle? just want to make sure I pronounce mm-hmm. that correctly. Okay. One Meghan Markle. You usually say Marian Hagen. You did not <laughs> say that. Well, Chandler, she prefers to be known as the Duchess of Sussex. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to I'll try to refer to her as her preferred moniker. But respect. anyway, so this came out in the Daily Mail. And we thought we had heard the worst of it, Chandler, when we mm-hmm. heard that they asked an executive at Spotify or some rich person to not only borrow their beach house, but also to borrow their plane. Well, right. there's more, Chandler. There is more. So Harry and Megan... They asked to borrow another plane. Do you know which plane oh. they asked to borrow? Uh, Air Force One? Air Force One. Stop. You're you're kidding. I was like, in my head, I'm like, what's the biggest or like the hardest plane to charter? <laughs> Harry and Meghan. They don't, they don't oh ask gosh. to borrow it. They asked to catch a ride on it. So this is the title of the article by the journalists, the investigative reporters at the Daily mm. Mail, doing the Lord's work, doing God's yeah. work. Harry and Meghan asked to fly to the U.S. on Air Force One with Biden after Queen's funeral. So, okay, I'm just going to read you parts of this article. I find it to be so interesting, so juicy. But this is what it says. It says, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle wanted to ride back to the United States on Air Force One after the Queen's funeral. But the request was denied by the White House in case it caused a commotion. Months earlier, First Lady Jill Biden was also invited to attend Harry's Invictus Games, but the idea was killed amid concerns that the royal family may have been offended by her presence Mm. there. Mm -hmm. Both failed initiatives are understood to have been part of a campaign by the Sussexes to gain political influence in the United States as they settle into their new life in California. Megan publicly advocated for paid family leave to lawmakers on Capitol Hill and worked behind the scenes to connect with the Bidens. This is what the DailyMail.com discovered from speaking to many current and former officials in the Biden administration and the British government. So his is so interesting. So the couple tried a variety of methods, sources outlined to DailyMail.com, as well as wanting Jill Biden to attend the Invictus Games and getting that ride back to the United States on Air Force One. That's Dr. Jill Biden to you, please. That is Dr. Jill, excuse me, as well as wanting Dr. Jill Biden to attend the Invictus Games and getting that ride back to the United States on Air Force One, the First Lady was also received an intriguing gift to thank her oh for what gosh. was seen as a supportive gesture toward Megan following her controversial interview with Oprah Winfrey. So this is the part that I just find to be so hilarious. I mean, wait, there's more? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's totally more. So apparently... We all know that Megan wore Oscar de la Renta to the interview with Oprah. And the next morning, Jill Biden appeared somewhere and wore an Oscar de la Renta dress Mm. with lemons on it. Mm -hmm. 
Megan saw this as a cloaked message of support being Team Sussex. Right. And apparently, so Jill wore one of those lemon. Have you seen the lemon Oscar de la Renta dresses, Chandler? I haven't. I haven't. I'm only familiar with Shannon Bedore's ownership of lemons (laughs) and lemon imagery. So Megan sent her a basket of lemons (gasps) and a thank you note. The problem is this podcast is becoming a Megan prosecution it's and so but, bad but she keeps like giving it to us or i don't know reports keep coming out i she we're just working knows with no the material bounds. we're given right this woman knows no bounds i think we're learning so much through this reporting not only about megan and harry and how they wanted to position themselves as these international diplomats who were at the level where they could fly with the president of the united states mm-hmm. back home like i understand why megan is reticent to call her docuseries with harry a reality show or would never do anything like that i mean these people wanted to be adjacent to to world leaders right right you know they, that's right. who they wanted their milieu to be and so let me just read you a, a little bit more of this Harry and Meghan were visiting the United Kingdom for charity engagements when the Queen passed on September 8th, 2022, and they stayed in the country through her funeral on September 19th. In the lead up to the memorial service, Harry and Meghan were disinvited from a pre-funeral reception at Buckingham Palace, where King Charles and Queen Camilla welcomed foreign royals and world leaders, including Jill and Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. The palace described the reception as for working members of the royal family, and Harry and Meghan were said to be baffled by that decision. Amid all of this, their staff reached out to the White House to ask if the couple could get a ride back to the United States <gasps> on Air Force One. It would have been a grand photo op. Harry and Meghan climbing the steps of the famous blue and white 747 to wave alongside the president and first lady of the United States. But it was an immediate no from the Americans. Sources with knowledge of the decision said that there was barely any discussion on the issue, just a general agreement that their request was a non-starter. It would have caused such a commotion. It would have strained relations with the palace and the new king, a source told Daily Mail. Absolutely. Another thing that's interesting is... Basically, Air Force One, when anyone but Biden and the First Lady fly on it, when his Mm -hmm. family flies on it, he actually has to pay for their seats. So, Mm. like, another thing that came up is, well, who would even pay for it, right? Right. It's not free. You just get to hop on for free. Yeah. Like, our tax dollars don't go towards private jet travel for Harry and Meghan. Wow. I mean, the photo op comment is so key. Like, you just know that was the fantasy. Like, that is her wet dream. I mean, the idea that the people under you are closely monitoring the fashion choices of everyone after you've given this interview for cloaked messages is so crazy. It's very Carly Simon, you're so vain, right? Mm-hmm. You probably think this dress is about you. Right, right. The first lady, so this is interesting, the first lady, Jill Biden, wanted to attend the 2022 Invictus Games. She went in 2017 when they were held in Canada, and she also attended the 2016 ones in Florida. She's the mother of a veteran, and this is a big shared... Yeah interest of hers i think i would like to go to the invictus games for the record yeah but she did not go because she did not want to strain relations with the king and the palace absolutely yeah which i just think it's not a good look like she's not even going to attend an event she could easily attend and there's no problem there right like that's how much they've been iced out by these upper echelon dignitaries and world leaders and it's very interesting because everything is political at that level. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beyond that, I think it's very interesting to see that's really where their minds were. That's really who they thought they were. I'm very interested in what you think about all the rumors swirling that there is trouble in Montecito. I would like a little bit of background from you. So is there trouble financially for them or is there trouble between their marriage or is it both? So the word is, is that they are burning cash really quickly. And uh, so this is all alleged, you guys. Trust me, I'm about to do it in Nantucket for three days. So I'm going to spend $300 a day. It's going to be burning that wallet dry, living beyond my means. No. So word on the street is that, yes, their lifestyle, it's not supported right now with their yep. deal failure rate. Correct. And it's unconfirmed that how much they made from any of their deals, but they definitely didn't make the full 20 million from Spotify. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they're actually making from Netflix? It strains credulity that Netflix didn't have a clause in the contract that said a lack of performance would necessitate a lack of payment. Right. So people have DM'd me crazy low numbers. So anyway, yeah, it's 
Very interesting. I don't relish these two splitting up at all. I don't relish their demise. So are both things potentially happening? Do you feel like there's trouble between their relationship or is it just financial trouble? Well, here's what I really think. I think that... I think that Megan specifically married Harry for his connections and wealth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was disappointed, and this is widely reported. She was disappointed in his lack of actual wealth, right? Right. Personal wealth. Right. She was disappointed in that. And then they couldn't manage being number two or number six or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So anyway, I think that Megan's game plan was to try to become these Santa Barbara dwelling dignitaries mm-hmm. on the level with Oprah, with Michelle Obama, et cetera. Right. But nothing's panning out. It sounds like a massive case of Schadenfreude. I really don't feel that way right now, actually, because if anything, I would prefer to have Meghan Markle and Prince Harry be successful because I think that will generate way more content. Mm-hmm. Literally, I was just fading away to our podcast. Be huge. Like, I would so happily click her reward style links. Right. So happily, I would watch her lemon water tutorial. Yeah. However, that's not what they're giving, right? And all of the content that they produce has largely floundered, except for the content where they're just shit talking the royal family. Yeah. And they've kind of wrung that towel dry, and they're a little bit at the end of the road in terms of content that they're mm-hmm. willing to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and the deals, yeah, are going south dramatically. And I think it would strain any marriage, regardless of mercenary intent or otherwise, if businesses go south, right? Right. I think that with true love, you get through that together, you emerge stronger, but it's still a hard thing to go through. They seem to really be at a crossroads right now with with what direction they're going to go with their life, because clearly what they were trying to endeavor to do just fully did not pan out. Right. Archwell did not pan out. None of these co-brands really worked. And so what they're really doing right now is dividing things and going in separate creative directions mm-hmm. and harry is going to be reportedly spending a lot of time by himself filming a documentary in africa okay and megan signed exclusively with wme so that's her agency and is going to be doing projects on her own so there has okay. been reporting that harry has had a private room at the san vicente bungalows and that he's used that as a space to have privacy apparently yeah. the santa barbara mansion doesn't have any spare bedrooms right, can't have a right. man cave near the chickens perhaps at the guest house so anyway there was that but now things are looking even murkier so what they're saying is that it's not just separate creative directions they are taking time apart they're because separating. the relationship has grown and this is all hearsay this is tabloid fodder but the reason i'm even saying it is because there are now so many reports of it. It's not just mm-hmm. like one Hello Magazine report. Right. It's not just one Dumois post. There's Radar Online, and there's the Daily Mail. There's a lot of reporting going on right now. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I think that it's very possible that all these failings have really taken a hit to their relationship. Yeah. Especially if Megan was in it for the clout and the success. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if these two actually weather the storm and stay together. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All I can hope is that in the midst of this, we get a brand new post on the TIG that, you know, says a new chapter or something. I just hope that if they are going through a divorce, I hope she does capitalize on it and give us more content. Or if they are separating. She won't, but I hope. There was a really pivotal scene in The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where Yolanda Hadid, Rebecca Lemons, was making lemon chicken for David Foster. Yeah, of course. And she had prepared two chocolate cakes, I believe, just in case Mm -hmm. one fell flat. Anyway, they cut to an interview with David Foster and he said, I'm a Yolanda lifer. I'm a Yolanda lifer. Yep. And I feel that way about Megan. I'm a Megan Mm -hmm. lifer. Once Mm -hmm. she starts giving me the content I am interested in, I'm ready to support this woman until the end of time. Right, right. Until then, I mean, though, that, I'm struggling. That's how we felt when she first came on the scene. But I, I think we should move on. Wait, can we give a little predictions? What do you think is going to happen with these two? I think they'll stay together. Okay. I am team they're going to break up. I think that a separation <sighs> announcement will happen within the next 12 months. Oh, my gosh. You've yeah. been right so far. Weren't you right about – who you right about, Kim and Kanye? I was right about Kim and Kanye. I was right about something Someone else. Even oh, more recent. I was Taylor and Joe. Right. You know, right. I don't 
You do relish in this. I don't relish being a medium for Hollywood breakups, <laughs> but sometimes the spirits, they open new dimensions to you and I just receive. No, literally you are like Long Island medium, you know, like you don't want this. You don't want to have to commune, but unfortunately they're trying to speak to you. Unfortunately, I'm getting a signal that there's something about roses. There's something about a house sold for 16 million. There's something about a garden driven away from. That's what I'm saying. Wait, what does that mean? I don't get that. Like they're driving away from the Santa Barbara Rose Garden. They've, they planted together mm. the two trees. Right. Right. Anyway, yeah, that's the vision I'm us. getting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, Lauren, thank you for <laughs> your um, non-licensed medium predictions and uh, your unsolicited visions. Know that. Know that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that woman. I hate to say it, but I love that woman. I think any sig would look great on you for the record. How about a real sig, baby? <laughs> okay. Did you see the text message that Kagan sent me that I posted on Instagram about Clean Simple Eats? He said, SOS, we are out of the chocolate flavor of Clean Simple Eats, which by the way, I really didn't know that we could get it for free. So I've been paying full price and just ordering because I literally am a paying customer of this company. Clean Simple yeah, Eats, everyone is the purveyor of the best protein powder on the planet. And can we just say, we've had some people get converted to the religion of Clean Symbol Eats and they have messaged us saying, you were right. It is so delicious. It will make milk taste like chocolate milk if you get the brownie batter. Or, you know, I love to put oh. the vanilla in a fruit smoothie. You just, you can't go wrong. You can't mess it up either, I would say. You, it is so good. Someone texts me, they're like, does it have a weird aftertaste? I'm like, no, this is Clean this is Simple Eats. It tastes like melted ice cream just mixed in cold water. And it's made from clean, grass-fed, perfect ingredients. Mm -hmm. What yeah. more do you people want? What more do you out want? Of this world? What more do you want? Yeah, I don't know. CleanSimpleEats.com, everyone. Go try the vanilla, try the chocolate. Use our code POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. We love the sponsor. I'll be drinking Clean Simple Eats on my deathbed. I hope so. All right, you guys, a quick announcement. We are running in March a $500 shopping spree giveaway. Very exciting. And to enter, all you have to do is recommend the podcast on your Instagram stories, tag us, and include a link for your followers to easily tap and listen to your favorite mm -hmm. episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. We ask that you only do this if you would actually share the pod, you know, with your friends on your story. You know, this is this is a giveaway um, of authenticity, if you will. Um, <laughs> we also ask in that same spirit that you don't mention that it's a giveaway. Exactly. Please share the pod, share it on your stories, get the word out, spread the good word of Pop Apologist, Make sure to tag us. We'll see it. We'll respond that you're entered. And then we're going to pick one person at random and they'll win $500 to go to town with. So right. enter this month in March, you guys. Shopping spree giveaway. Okay, Lauren, let's get off the road to Montecito mm. and let's take a darker road. We're going to be deep diving into the Gilgo Beach murders today. You are a totally blank slate. You don't know anything really about this. And I told you last week, I was like, this case is fascinating. We should talk about it. So I decided to take it upon myself and, you know, do the work, the heavy lifting of taking us through this case. So are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm so excited. Lead me through. Okay. Uh, before we get into it, quick trigger warning. This segment is really going to cover very grisly subject matter, like murder, sexual violence. Please take care of your mental peace. And, you know, if any of this will trigger or upset you, skip to another episode. So the Gilgo Beach serial killings were a series of murders between 1996 and 2011, in which the remains of 18 people were found in Gilgo Beach, which is on the south shores of Long Island. Okay. Did you catch that? 18 people. 18 people south shores of long island yeah yeah okay. okay so most of the known victims were sex workers who advertised on craigslist and the perpetrator uh was you know long referred to as the long island serial killer and you know the victim's remains were found all over a period of months between 2010 and 2011 but the murders took place long before then so this case is a bit complicated because it spans over so much time, and I'm going to try to be as concise and clear as possible, but just stick with me. All right? All right. 
Okay, so this all began with Shannon Gilbert and her disappearance. Shannon was a 24-year-old woman who disappeared in the Oak Beach area in May of 2010 while working as an escort. Let's just ground ourselves, Lauren. Where were you in 2010? Oh, I was working as a barista and a poet. Yes. Thank you so much, Chandler, for bringing this up. In San Clemente, California. Yes. Or, okay. Actually, Dana Point, Pete's Coffee. If anyone happened to get a latte there, I was behind the bar slinging drinks. Where were you, Chandler? Mm-hmm. I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Okay. Shows me to flex, but there she goes. <laughs> Just another quick way for me to bring up my age. Okay. Back to Shannon. So Shannon vanished after fleeing from a client's home and she made a 23 minute long emergency call to 911 where she was heard saying, quote, they're trying to kill me. After she went missing, police searched along Ocean Parkway, which is near the remote towns of Gilgo and Oak Beach in Suffolk County in Long Island. So as police were searching for Shannon, they found the remains of four other victims, not Shannon. So okay. they found the remains of Maureen Brainard, uh, Melissa Barthamy, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. And they were all found within 500 feet of each other along this shoreline. <sighs> all four women were in their 20s and worked as escorts. Two of them had children. And all of their bodies had been bound either at the ankles or feet and wrapped in burlap and all appeared to be strangled. Okay. Sorry. It's just like my entire body is just like deflating. Like it's just like so abhorrent. It's so horrifying. I I listened to several other podcasts about this, read a bunch of articles. It's extremely dark and grisly. So everyone just buckle in. So these women were designated the Gilgo Four. Um, So just like taking a second, why this case gets a little complicated when you're trying to do a deep dive on it is because the person who originally was missing was, was not the person they found when they discovered these four women's remains. It's really intense to think that like you're searching for someone who's missing and then you find four other dead bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That is a little intense, I would say. Yeah. So in the weeks after officers found their bodies, they would find six others, four more women, a man and a two-year-old girl. And this would uh, lead us to the really sick and dark conclusion that this stretch of land is very remote and where killers like leave remains. Oh, really? honestly more grisly details about these additional remains that were found but i i don't want to like get into all that yeah, um because sounds, it's just it's fine. a lot and people can like feel free to look it up i just feel like really sickened by some of those details another crazy thing is that i have actually been to jones beach which is where some of these additional remains were found i went there like the first summer i moved to new york um it was like the first east coast beach that i went to so it's like not far out of the city And I will say that the brush is super thick, so it really makes it hard to see anything. So let's note that Shannon Gilbert's remains, the, you know, the woman who went missing, who kicked all of this off, her remains were not found till a year after the remains of the Gilgo Four were discovered. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So it all began with the search for Shannon, but her remains weren't found till like a year later. And her cause of death remains contested. Police claim accidental drowning while an independent autopsy determined possible strangulation. If you're interested in Shannon's story, there is the Netflix film Lost Girls. And then there's also, I think, a book about it as well that might be titled Lost Girls as well. But, you know, that kind of goes more into her story in depth. And we're going to like now focus on the four women that were found in the search for Shannon. Beyond Shannon. Okay. Right. Okay, so let's fast forward to present day, all right, and, you know, the last several years. So the Gilgo Beach murders had long stumped law enforcement in Suffolk County, and they really believed that it could be the work of one or more serial killers who targeted sex workers and dumped their bodies along the remote beaches of Ocean Parkway. So hold on one second. So Shannon goes missing, Mm -hmm. and they go to try to find her. Yeah. Do they immediately go to find her after she goes missing, or does it take a while to actually even get them to go look? It takes a little bit because in the film that I watched, which is a little bit dramatized, like her mom like has to go to the police and force them to search for her because to be honest, the really sad thing is that sex workers who go missing are oftentimes not really given the attention and the law enforcement, I guess, attention that they deserve, (sighs) which is horrifying. And it's so, so sad. Um, And, you know, they really like didn't give a shit at the beginning because they just didn't treat her like a full person. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely despicable. So, okay. So Shannon goes missing. Her mom finally gets law enforcement to go search the area. And then they mm-hmm. stumble across the four remains of these other people, not right. Shannon. Do they immediately identify who those people are? Yes, because soon thereafter, those victims' families and Shannon's mom are like all kind of on the hunt to figure out who the killer is. And that, at that point, Shannon's okay. remains haven't even been found yet. So they're able to identify them as other escorts but they who probably, have gone missing earlier. Yeah, so they probably at least made the the connection that these are all women of the same profile, just like Shannon. Right. Yeah, they were all like women in their 20s who were sex workers, who advertised on Craigslist, who went missing. It's crazy that her mom knew she was doing that. And so that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, but her, also, honestly, her mom has a really crazy story. Her other daughter actually ended up killing her, the mom, like years what? later. Yeah. Uh, I think she was having a psychotic break, something like that. I th- their family had a lot of struggles. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's heartbreaking and another tale in itself. But right. yeah, so when they find the remains of the four looking for Shannon, mm-hmm. that's when mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it wasn't before then that there were other remains. That's when mm-hmm. they first are like, okay, there's a serial killer and this is the right. burial ground for that serial killer. As they're doing that extensive sweep of that area, that's when they start to uncover more and more remains. And even to this day, even with the developments that have happened in the last several weeks, even those people who have gone missing, their killers have not been identified or arrested in any way. I'm a little shocked at just one other quick aside before you yeah. get going. Sorry to interrupt, no, no, but I'm just curious. So how was he able to hide Shannon, but the other four he wasn't? Well, the serial killer. We're going to get into that. Okay, okay. I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll take you through that. Because to be honest, Shannon's killer has still not been identified. Oh, really? Yes. Shannon okay, is okay. just an important, she's a, obviously her life is very important. And, you know, she's an important part of this case because the search for her led to the, you know, the remains of all these other women being found. It's just so interesting. So much I could say, but let's keep it moving. I don't want to okay. do it Okay. So over the last 10 years, these murders and series of murders had long stumped law enforcement and everyone in the area knew about this. Everyone like I guess if I could relate to it, it's a little bit like when we heard about like Elizabeth Smart and like kind of that era where there was a decent amount of kidnappings that was like in the in the ether, you know, like how that kind of like informed our childhood a little bit. I feel like that's it's a similar situation, obviously, with these terrible murders and even more extreme. So fast forward to last week on July 13th, a resident of Massapequa Park named Rex Hureman was arrested in Midtown Manhattan as a suspect in the case. Wait, this so sorry, I'm sorry. I'm now blown over. This just happened. This just happened. Okay, so 10 years. So they found four remains. They find, and eventually they find Shannon. Eventually over time they find 18. It mm-hmm. terrifies the town. No mm-hmm. one knows. And last week they arrested a suspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, please continue. So Rex was charged the following day in the murders of three of the Gilgo Four, Megan Waterman, Melissa Barthamy, and Amber Costello. He is also a prime suspect in the 2007 disappearance of the fourth woman, Maureen Brainard Barnes, and he has not yet been charged in connection with her case. Okay. 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 So how did they find this guy? Who is this person? I need to know everything. Um, Okay. So a little bit about Rex. So Rex Hearman is a married father of two and a registered architect who has owned the the New York City-based architecture and consulting firm, RH Consultants and Associates, since 1994. So just digest that. For any new listeners listening, you might not know what I'm about to talk about, but we've done a lot of work on this podcast to build up the archetype of the architect. And how it's the hottest profession possible. Yeah. I'm sorry, but... I also have an ax to grind with this person, but please Mm -hmm. continue. I want you to also look up a photo of Rex Hureman so that you have it in your mind because his physical stature plays a part in what led to his arrest. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that. Do you want me to look it up right now or? Yeah, look it up right now. Just look up a photo of him so you have him in your mind. So as Lauren's looking it up, I'll just describe him. He is very tall in stature. He definitely has a, I would say, a slightly scary appearance he looks a little bit menacing i will say but also at the same time looks like a regular white guy that you would see and not think much of he looks like a very portly large in stature dentist 
who I would never pin him on any sort of serial killing, any sort of crime, really. He just seems so run of the mill. That being said, he is very tall and large. He's 6'4". That does not always portend murder, Chandler. You're absolutely right. Serial killers can come in all shapes and sizes. So basically, why did this case get new life? You know, all of this stuff happened over a decade ago. Why just now was Rex arrested? Literally a week ago, 10 days ago. It's a great question. In 2022, a new task force was formed to investigate the killings. Okay. Okay. So I think this illustrates that honestly, law enforcement can be really bad at their jobs and they can let cases go cold. And it really takes sometimes like injecting new life and really invigorating new individuals and detectives to uncover what really happened. So was there any vigilante justice involved in this? Not that I'm aware of, but it only took six weeks into the task force work. Stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To get like the biggest break. Okay. So basically the task force did a comprehensive review of every single piece of evidence in the case, just kind of starting from the beginning, familiarizing themselves with every single detail. And they took a closer look at a Chevrolet avalanche registered to Hureman at the time of the murders um, when an investigator determined that Hureman owned a Chevrolet avalanche. So the reason why we were even looking for a Chevrolet avalanche in the first place is a little bit of an interesting story. Okay. Okay. So this was a tip from one of the escorts pimps. I don't know if pimp is an official term. I don't know if that's PC. I don't really know maybe a handler. Yeah, I'm not true. sure. It sounds very sex negative of you to call that. It does. It absolutely it's a, does. It's a manager, so, Chandler. Thank you, Mr. Manager, Mr. Um, handler. So the New York Post reported that the biggest tip came from the handler of one of the victims, <laughs> Amber's handler. Court papers described the pickup driving John, which is, I think, a name that escorts use or like that's a name that's referred to as like the client of an escort or yes, something. Yes, the John. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know that. So court papers describe the pickup driving John as looking, quote, like an ogre and about six feet, four inches tall, and um, which mirrors the physical attributes of Hureman, who is that exactly? Wait, wait, which is just really quick. So the, yeah. so the, the pimp dropped off and saw the John, saw his, tra- yeah, well, saw his car, actually saw him. It's a little bit of a crazy story, but yeah, this is all these details are coming from um, the handler. So the handler told cops he saw the suspect and his avalanche while planning a ruse to scare off Hureman or the client. And the ruse was basically consisting of the handler pretending to be Amber's angry boyfriend and, you know, kind of like shaking up the situation so that they could keep the cash without her having to have sex with him. So there was a ruse created by the pimp, because I'm not going to mm-hmm. be PC about these terms, excuse me, yeah. to scare off the John. So basically yep. he could drop her off and then immediately pick her up. She gets the money and then they go. So they were trying to scam him. Yeah. I don't know if this was happening. Yeah. Like I, I'm not entirely sure exactly how this ruse went down, but basically they were trying to, you know, secure the cash first. And then basically have the fake boyfriend show up and get really upset and take her away so that they could keep the cash without her having to, you know, perform sex acts. Okay. Well, I guess chivalry isn't totally dead, Chandler, even among pimps. Keep in mind, though, like Amber Costello was still murdered. So something happened, you know, that this ruse didn't totally work because... Did it not go to plan, yeah. Hewerman demanded that they meet the next night. Okay, so he called Amber back and demanded that they meet the next night. Um, He used a burner phone and, you know, this burner phone was linked to Massapequa Park, which is where the architect lived, just miles where Costello and the other, you know, Gilgo Four women's bodies were found months later in 2010. So basically, this is another piece of evidence. One of the burner phones was like pinged in the location where Hureman lived. But here's my question. If they're burner phones, how does the police know to even track those records of these burner phones? We'll get into that. Oh, really? Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. Chandler, your reporting is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. So following this big tip, the investigation turned up connections with burner cell phones and phone data allegedly linked to the suspect. So basically, they had like their eye on Hureman for like the last bit of time. The FBI analysts were able to compare the cell site data of the victim's cell phones and data from seven prepaid anonymous burner phones the suspect Mm. used to communicate with each of the victims, which gave investigators a lead. 
And NPR reports that search warrants linked Hearman to multiple burner cell phones used to contact the three victims. And so he basically, a reason why they were able to determine that it was him is because his personal cell phone was always near the burner phone. So basically it says that there's a strong link between the location of the burner cell phones that were used to communicate with the victims and Hearman's personal cell phone. I'm really happy. I will say that the police can figure all this out. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't send a cold chill down your spine of how easy it is to be completely monitored in every way, I don't know what will. It's right. just very interesting. But please continue. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making just keep our, it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude. Stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job. So investigators could find no instance where Hurman was in a separate location from these other cell phones when such a communication event occurred. Okay, so now, Lauren, I'm going to play an audio clip from New York District Attorney Ray Tierney at the press conference after Hurman was arrested, and he kind of uh, goes into greater detail about the evidence that was used to bring these charges against Hurman. We looked at the Hurman family uh, travel records during the murders of uh, the last three women, um, Bartholomew, Waterman, and Costello. The defendant's wife and children were at, were out of New York State, and he was alone in the tri-state area. We followed his use of burner phones. We were able to uh, identify seven separate burner phones that he used. In a 14-month period, he had over 200 searches pertaining to uh, the Gilgo investigation. He was looking, trying to figure out how is the task force using cell phones to try to figure out what's happening. What are the developments with regard to the task force? He was searching, compulsively searching pictures of the victims, but not only pictures of the victims, pictures of their relatives, their their, their sisters, uh, their children, uh, and he was trying to locate those individuals. Uh, in addition to that, there was a, a lot of uh, torture, uh, porn, and and depictions of women uh, being abused, uh, being raped, and being killed. So yeah, a lot to unpack there. First of all, (sighs) a huge reason why he emerged as the prime suspect was because his wife and daughter and other son, I believe, were always out of town when the murders occurred. Okay, so I'll, and I can get into that. I, I think we're, we close the case on that. But what's crazy to me is the torture porn. Yeah, it's it's sickening. There are grisly details about this case that I am choosing not to share in this podcast because it's just not, I don't even want to dwell on them anymore, but it is sick. Okay, it now people so are going to really want you to share. Is it really that bad? Not necessarily, I would say, about Rex, but just like other parts of this case. I'm just saying there's a lot here that is very sad and dark and it makes you really question if like the world is a good place. Well, I think we want the details. Can you share any more? I just, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess if we can get into it. Like the other remains that were found were of like of a torso or like other miscellaneous body parts. So, yes. Like it just makes so there's you some think, dismembering happening. Yeah, and I'm not, and we don't know that that was necessarily Rex, but just like this stretch of land where all these remains were found, and I, I literally went to that beach. It's vile, and it makes you scared. It makes you want to like lock your doors, close your blinds, and never trust anyone. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. I mean, honestly. It, it's extremely jarring, but I think it's important to arm ourselves with the information that people are capable of tremendous evil. But I'm just going to say, I recently shared with a few friends of mine that I think Mormon people have a lot figured out. And I think in the porn category, there's a lot figured out there. And I just think that just he- hearing that so much of this violence originates from this dark sexual obsession, it's really, really disturbing on so many levels i think that porn is is super disturbing and it's a really complicated issue that i think we are in a process right now as a society of trying to determine how we address it 
without other like type of ramifications. And yeah, I think that it's, it's really, really dark, you know, and a lot of, I think the majority of porn is, is super bad. I think that it calls a lot into question in terms of like, how as a society, we will kind of say, okay, no, now we're approving this, or we're going to lend respect to this, or we're going to try to toe the line here. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a complicated situation. It's super complicated. You look at these women and like what happened to them. And like the, the fact of the matter is, it's like they were putting themselves in danger, in danger. I mean, to make a living. That's what I mean. Like, it's not just about like the, the sex work debate. It's not just about, is this something that should be done? It's also about like the environment that it's generally done within, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and like that can right. be a very dangerous one, right. physically right. dangerous for the person. And the very fact that the police did not really care about these disappearances because they were, there's a term that I'm, that's escaping me, but they were treated as like non-people. I mean, think about Gabby Petito, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a stark contrast in like what the police deem as like a case worth investigating or a person worth searching for. One of the saddest parts about this is the way that there's just such a dehumanization of mm -hmm. women who engage in this yeah. for whatever reason. And I think that there's a dehumanization from the Johns, from the police, mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. people with regard to the profession. And it's just, mm -hmm. it is something where I think that it just really requires more thought. But anyway, we're not going to solve that problem today. No, it's, it's certainly a systematic issue. Okay. So I just want to get into a little bit more of the fact that the police were able to triangulate that whenever a murder occurred that the human wife and daughter were out of town basically when the one victim megan waterman was reported missing in june 2010 she was in maryland she was in new jersey in september 2010 when amber costello vanished and in iceland in july 2009 when melissa bartholomew was last seen i don't i actually don't know if i'm saying her name right the the district attorney said it a different way than me so Apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Um, okay, so I want to get into another crazy part of his arrest. We're little, we're zigzagging a little bit because more is coming to light after his arrest, but it's it's all really interesting. And so another critical aspect of this case was the DNA evidence. Okay, so once investigators knew who they were looking for, they obtained samples of his DNA from discarded bottles in his trash can, as well as a partially eaten pizza crust that he threw in a trash can in Manhattan. And I wow. think that okay. it's just DNA evidence is absolutely incredible. And anyone who chooses to commit homicide in the age of DNA evidence, like good luck. So another critical piece of this is DNA evidence. So once investigators knew who they were looking for, they needed to like really confirm it, obviously to like make the arrest. So they obtained mm. samples of his DNA from discarded bottles in his trash, as well as partially eaten pizza crust from a box that he threw away, you know, while in Manhattan. And so they match the DNA from the food and the discarded bottles to a piece of hair that was on the burlap fabric that one of the victims was wrapped in. Oh, so there was seriously. Yeah. So there was hair. There were like two different pieces of hair, one from Hewerman and then one from oh, a relative of his, my. which is believed to be his wife. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So they obtained the DNA samples and then they found hair on the body. Mm -hmm. They found this DNA. That is wild the really fascinating thing is that they were really casing him for weeks and months before they arrested him collecting his pizza yeah. box collecting the trash i mean there are so many details about this that would i hate to say it but make for a great movie because it's insane the way that they were like watching him and the other crazy fact lauren is that the only reason why they arrested him last week okay was because they were concerned about public safety. They wanted to continue gathering more evidence. Wait, mm -hmm. for real? But they're like, he could do this again. For whatever reason, we don't know. For whatever reason, last week, they had filed like an emergency something or they had to swiftly get things into place so that they could make the arrest immediately because they were afraid he was going to act again. I don't know if- Okay, so they, they for sure were hearing him or seeing him right. on Craigslist about to meet right. with some other girl. Yes, yes. <gasps> 
there are like a few other really crazy things. So in back in 2011, so over 10 years ago, the criminologist put together a profile for who the serial killer could be. They said the victims were probably killed by a white man in his mid-20s to mid-40s. They said he is married or has a girlfriend. He is well-educated and well-spoken. He is financially secure. He has a job. He owns an expensive car or truck and lives or used to live near where the bodies were found. So check, check, check. Rex Hearman. Now that we know who it is, it is really interesting to see that they had the profile to a T, basically. That person describes a lot of people in the world, but it just took so long for them to actually identify who that person was. It's reaffirming in the fact that the right detectives can figure this stuff out. Right. So it's very chilling to see the video of him being arrested because they basically get him after work on that day on July 13th. And what you see is him walking down the street, walking down the street in Manhattan. And you see two men in suits behind him who just look like they could be finance, you know, Wall Street bros walking behind him. And then all of a sudden they sort of make a circle around him to like stop him from, and he kind of is like, wait, what's going on? Like he kind of like just tries to like push brush past them a little bit, but they like literally close him off and then they arrest him. You could, there's a video. You can watch it. It's very grainy, but you can watch it. Yeah. I'm so curious who filmed the video. Like who's the FBI videographer? It's not it wasn't a videographer. It was like a it was like a convenience store that had a camera outside. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So the other extremely chilling thing, Lauren, is that yesterday I decided to go get myself a Russian manicure, okay? In midtown Manhattan. As I was on Google Maps on my way home, leaving my Russian manicure, do you know what I walked past? RH Consulting and Associates. The architecture firm. And because like, because Google Maps, like if you recently search for something, it'll like just like show it on your map. And I didn't even realize it. And I was already 50 paces or so past it. So I didn't go back. But I was like, this is, was literally probably like nearby where he got arrested. I mean, if only that's shocking. we knew the shit going down within our I know. vicinities. That's what I thought as I was walking. I had this like really mystifying moment where I was like, you don't even know the people who are being cased like around you. Is that the expression? I don't know. It's very fascinating to me. What is interesting, though, is that his daughter worked for the firm and there were all these like photos of the staff online, but I think they've taken them down. It's really sad. He has two children, I believe. The only one we really know about is the daughter because she was like featured on the website. And, you know, the neighbors say that kind of a weird family. The wife was really quiet. He would always kind of scowl. Someone said like that was a house that I told my kids not to go trick or treat at. Really? They didn't have a good vibe. Yeah. Dark energy. Yeah. We're going to get into another crazy story that came about in no other place but TikTok. Okay? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So about 10 years ago, a woman's date with Rex Hurman turned creepy. He asked her over seafood, do you like true crime? Do you know anything about the Gilgo Beach killer? And this is what she responded with. She said, everybody on Long Island does. She told him, we're all following that case. She said that Hurman started spouting off about his knowledge on the case. She said he knew a lot, including, quote, about a body that wasn't announced on the news yet, quote. He said that to her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She said the architect was very detailed. She said his knowledge of the Gilgo Beach case almost seemed like, quote, he was reliving it in his head. It's honestly so... Uh, Can you sorry, imagine? It's like so chilling. It's, it's so, so chilling. horrifying. Dude, the fact that she escaped that date unscathed. She also, it's kind of interesting. She says quote, it was not just him. She believes that there were other people involved and she thinks that he's taking the fall, which is kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if I believe that conspiracy, uh, but like he had a ring of murder that I don't he know. was in cahoots with. Yeah. She says, quote, it was not just him adding that Hurman's descriptions lead her to believe that, quote, there were other people involved. Also knowing that he was regularly searching Gilgo Beach murders. Why haven't the police caught the Gilgo Beach serial killer? I mean, wouldn't you be? If you had murdered someone, I think you'd want to keep your thumb on the pulse of the investigation. I guess. Maybe. It's relatable, Rex. So also just another interesting tidbit. When they searched his home, they found like hundreds of firearms behind like a walled off door. Basically, new evidence is coming out all the time as they continue to search his home. And his wife has declined to comment, obviously. And it's just truly very sad for her and the daughter. I'm very assuming sad. they had no idea. And I guess the first thing he asked investigators, I think once he was uh, at the holding cell or whatever, he said, is it on the news? 
I mean, I think that, like they say, when a crazy mass shooting happens or something happens, they don't want to give a lot of fodder to mm -hmm. the person who did it because there are other people who are looking at that, of right. the same predispositions, mm -hmm. who want to be featured. Yeah, right. They want the like, acclaim. They want that infamy. Gosh, wow. Well, you're on Pop Apologist podcast, Rex. Yeah. Apparently, he also cried and said, I did not do this. But I mean, no one's believing that. I will just never get over the chilling detail that they were not planning on arresting him this soon, but that they felt like for, quote, public safety, they had to. Oh, he 100% was going to do it again. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's very, very wild. Um, there's actually another story that we're not going to share today, but another yeah. father and husband who has a secret double life or hobby okay. that was unearthed by our sister. I don't know if we can share eventually. I know she's up for it. I don't want to dox this person or put this person on last at all. I would, I would not want to disclose their identity, but I think at some point we should tell that yeah. story only because it is right. pretty riveting and shocking. Yeah, Lauren, we should definitely share that story if we're allowed to at some point because it's very shocking. Well, Chandler, thank you so much for leading us through this. I mean, your reporting has been riveting. The details, very disturbing. Thank you everyone so much for listening. We are in the middle of a giveaway. So why don't we just remind people that if you want to win our $500 shopping spree giveaway, Chan, do you want to tell them what they have to do? In order to enter this giveaway, you need to post about our podcast on your story. And this should include a link to an episode you like, or maybe your favorite episode, something like that. And please don't say that this is part of a giveaway because that sort of undercuts the whole uh, recommendation. Yeah. So only share if you really would share and you really do want to recommend this pod. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll catch you on Friday on Patreon. Bye. Yes. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists and we will see you next week live every Wednesday. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.